Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere. Today, I've invited Kim Fletcher to come on the show and talk to us about her best boss. And a little bit about Kim real quick. I've had the opportunity to work with her when she was a leader at KPMG, and now as she's a leader at World Vision. One of the things I like about Kim is she's a very values-based leader. I really appreciate that about the way that she thinks about the world and she thinks about the bigger picture and then she leads her team to success. So very thankful I've had the opportunity to work with you quite a few times now, Kim, and I'm so glad you're on the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, Christine, thank you for having me. It's a delight to have worked with you for probably about 10 years now. Can't believe we're getting that young. (laughs) (laughs) So Kim, just as we're getting started, your role at World Vision today is? I'm Vice President of Philanthropy and Partnerships. It's a basically a marketing role, but focused in on fundraising. Beautiful. So when I asked you to be on the show, it sounded like someone came to mind. So who is your best boss ever? Oh, thank you, Christine. I think you said once a best boss is someone who ever forever impacts you for the better. And that made me think of my first boss. She led a manufacturing business. She was also the VP of sales and I was on her marketing team, my very first job. Looking back, you know, I would characterize her as a servant leader, though back then I hadn't heard that way of describing a corporate leader, so it was new for me. But true to being a servant leader, she really set the vision, she set our direction, our goals, and she saw it as her responsibility to make sure that we were all super clear on how these vision directors and goals related to our roles. But that was the extent of her hierarchy. After that, she really turned the traditional hierarchy pyramid upside down. She led from the ground up, serving us as her team. We felt included and listened to. All ideas were welcome. And whenever we needed help, she was really there to unblock our barriers. And one of the things that impressed me as young in my career was she visibly set time in her calendar to be available for coaching us and to support us. She was very results orientated, but that meant she still put people ahead of results no matter what. And as a result, we really became this high morale team. We had high performance metrics. And I learned from her something that I've taken with me forever. And that is leadership is something leaders do alongside people and they don't do it from a distance. And one story that came to mind was that she was designing a new product and she wanted everyone from the plant production team to the marketing and sales team to provide ideas on the product features and the launch. It was her vision that when we launched this, customers would say, yes, this new product helps me where others' products don't. To be authentic to what customer pain points our customers were having, she loaded everyone up on two big coach buses, and we drove to the States. It took us about three or four hours. And then she divided us into small groups where we had permission to walk the entire customer operations. And we had one question to ask, and that was, how can we help you? Well, Christine, we launched more than just a new product from this trip. We reimagined everything from our shipping container labels to our quality control reports, to even how we 
put language and, and images and instructions in our sales collateral. And that to me was an amazing insight in terms of what it is to be a servant leader, to really go out and serve your customers, but really serve your staff as well. So that's so interesting. So everybody went on this. So two full bus fulls of people. So who, who's going with it? Is it the whole sales team, marketing team, everybody? Even the people who were on the lines making the product. Because one of the things she believed was that if we had a deeper insight of what our customers were doing with our products, even the production line folks would make the product slightly different. They would come away with insights on how we could change the features to better serve our customers. And that's how we found out, for instance, at the warehouse of the customers, that how we were sending our products, our shipping labels just weren't helpful for them to know what was the freshest product or if there was a different variation. And that really was insight that made them go back as a production team. They would never have been involved in that conversation. And the customer shipping team said, what an amazing help that small change was. In addition to the new product, that alone was worth the whole trip for us coming. And we would never have known that if she hadn't packed us up and taken us. That's excellent. You hear the metaphor all the time, getting everyone on the bus. And this is so literal. (laughs) Very literal. And it was a wonderful way for us to bond as a team. Three or four hours on a bus with your peers that you may not see in different plants is an opportunity to share your own stories and your lives and to really get to know people as people. This is excellent. So what other stories come to mind when you think of that leader? And I love the servant leadership principle. So, you know, what else did you see her do? Well, my best boss was a former elite athlete. In fact, she was at the Olympic level. So she wasn't her very nature personally driven and she wanted to win as a team. It was in her DNA and she had a very coach-like style and and she would, and I know you'll appreciate this. She had a, a drip drip approach to giving advice, particularly to younger people in her team, such as myself. And she would always just infuse it in the conversations. And so you never felt like you were being lectured to or told or coached. It was just a part of constant ongoing learning. And you know what? She's given advice that has stuck with me for my whole career, three in particular. The first was lead yourself first. She would say you can't always control the outcomes in your life, but you are always part of the influencing processes that decide that outcome. And so if you're leading yourself first, you can control how you react to those outcomes. And people want to be led by people who are leading themselves well. And she modeled that for us. And so I've already kind of picked that up. The second, she said, is be confident in what you know and be curious by what you don't know. And to this day, I still ask a lot of questions. I read every morning, I invest in my own and my team's professional development so that we can infuse those new learnings into all we do. The third thing she said, which was very practical, was high performers hire other high performers. Well, I got to say at being 20, you know, 24, at first I was just thrilled. She thought I was a high performer and got some positive feedback. And then I kind of really dug down and heard the additional responsibility she was saying to me because I was at that time hiring a co-op student that I needed to really hire people that maybe I would work for one day. And if I kept that always top of mind, then I would want people to join the organization and my team specifically that could be mentored, who could grow and flourish. And maybe one day I could work for them and I'd be proud to do that. Those three pieces of advice have been ones that, you know, you look back at a you know, what is a good boss? It's someone who's peppered you with all of these pearls of wisdom that you can take forward yourself. And it's helped shape my career and many of my conversations with my staff. Well, and the thing is too, is that 
the leaders who pepper the wisdom in, the only reason it sticks is because you saw them live it. We've had lots of leaders pepper wisdom at us before, but I think the reason that I'm hearing that this made an impact on you is because she also lived these principles and then you could see them in action. Oh, absolutely. And then one exercise she had us do, I don't know, you probably read the book, Stephen Covey's uh, Good to Great. It's pretty much a classic. And at that time, uh, we had to read it. We had to do that exercise of writing your eulogy. And I don't know if you've ever did that, but at 24, that was really not top of my mind, but it really caused me to think like, what did I want the people who mattered most to me to think about me after I was gone? And that's where we got into the conversation of purpose. Like what was my purpose in life? What did I want my life to represent? You pick up quotes in your life. And the one that kind of came through me through this process was uh, to the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you can be the world. And that really became kind of my mantra to this day. In fact, at one point, my kids had it inscribed on the back of a new iPhone when you could do that a few years ago as a Christmas present, just to remind me that I need to always be mindful. You can do big things with many people, but really you often can just do amazing things with one person if you focus and you don't pass them by. That is a fantastic one. And it's so interesting when you mentioned that I actually remember doing my eulogy. I took a Franklin Covey course, one of my first courses in my first internship. And it was exactly that. They started with it and it never has left my mind. I've thought about that. I mean, I must have been 21 years old, and I remember that so distinctly. Yeah, it's a great exercise and one that anyone can do today because it really forces you down to like, what is your your key leadership essence and what are you as a person within the context of the current humanity? What's going to be your impact in the world? What is the thing you're going to leave when you're not here anymore? Yeah, that's awesome. And the other thing that we, you know, I, I took away when you asked me about Best Boss was really Procter and Gamble. I worked for them for a few years and there was a lot of great bosses, but you know, we talk about best boss. Sometimes that can be institutionalized. Procter and Gamble had a training program. And one of the things that they taught their leaders was to focus in on key learnings. And it's funny, my husband was a vendor of Procter and Gamble. And as I was getting ready for this, he said the same thing. He said, I remember Procter and Gamble having key learnings. And if you made a mistake, it wasn't, you can't change the past again. It's kind of a theme in my, my best bosses, but you can look forward and what could you do better and differently in the future. So one of the characteristics of a best boss that, you know, my husband and I both saw, particularly in Procter and Gamble as an example, is the people who don't dwell on the past mistakes, who just kind of dust it off and say, okay, what are you going to do going forward? But key learnings can also be to like what worked really well, because sometimes you don't quite know it's magical, the price, the customer, the environment. Well, how can you replicate that again to have scalable and repeatable success? So the other thing I would just, you know, add was, was this whole key learning. And it was just interesting to go from my best boss to kind of a best boss practice and how those two can be interfused. I really like that. You know, I particularly like that because sometimes in coaching, when you do slow down and ask what worked there or what didn't work, a lot of people feel like it's luck. They point to the context of the situation. They don't point to what's repeatable. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always hunting for what's repeatable. What, what can you take from that situation that is repeatable in some type of a future, in a future situation? So key learnings, that's a good education for me today. That's my key learning. <laughs> If you learn one new thing a day, I always think it's just been a great day. Absolutely. That's why I love doing the show. So this is so good. So if you were to tell me a little bit about what's the impact of working for a best boss. So I always find people struggle with what is the return on investment sometimes in a great leader. 
And I'm really trying to see if I can unpack that in this conversation. So could you help me understand what is the impact in your mind, whether it's to the metrics and to the business or to the people, what's the impact of working for a best boss ever? One of the things my best boss taught me was that when you look out across the Canadian corporate landscape or the uh, whatever sector that you're working in, and you can see the people that you have invested in and they themselves are now contributing, that is really a measure of success. It may not be something that you know wins you award, but it's something that when you go home at night that you can say, I had a small part in that person's career to better them, to help them be successful. So one of the things we're doing you know, with best bosses is that they are replicating themselves in the marketplace. And so we have future leaders. The other thing I find with a best boss is they build high-performing teams. People want to work for them. So you, you increase retention, you have higher morale, so people work better, smarter, and they also will work in a more unified way. And that generally develops higher metrics and results at the end because you're all pulling information. You want to win as a team. You want to cross the finish line as a team. If you train and you run, quite often running coaches will have you run and the fastest person who crosses the line, they make them loop back to the slowest person at the line. And you keep looping back, A, because they get more exercise, but it also means at the end, all of the runners cross the finish line together. And that's what I think a best boss does is we do have individual successes, but ultimately the team and the organization finishes together. And that's what we really celebrate. What a cool concept. I love it. That's great. So with that, tell me a little bit, I'm thinking about what counter leadership experiences have you had? So maybe not necessarily a worse boss, but what are some of the things that you've seen that you know don't work as well as what you saw your best boss do? Yeah, I think one of the least favorite traits of mine and probably of many people's is when a leader's talk and walk don't align. They say one thing, but their own actions don't reflect what they say. And, and that can come in the form of micromanagement, feeling a lack of trust, feeling that you're out there, but you're maybe not supported. And I think that's where you can, you can see people feel just not sure they're going to give their best. And I don't think it's intentional. It's just that there's, there's not sort of that openness to give it your all because there may or may not be the safety net. There may not be the joy or the laughter in that. You know, it's funny. I had a boss who I knew of and he brought me onto his team and he knew of me, but we hadn't really met in a personal way. And we were sitting down over our initial meetings and he said, yeah, I really like to empower my staff. And part of my like light cynicism like went on and go, oh, is this where you just tell me I'm empowered, but I'm not really empowered? Or are you really empowering me? And he was awesome. He knew I liked to challenge. And so he flipped over a napkin. We were at lunch and he wrote two numbers on the back and he slid it across the table. And he said, listen, go do those two things. He said, I am here to support you and ask any questions you want of me. If I don't hear from you, I assume that you're doing great things. He said, get those two numbers done. That's what the business needs to have happen. And there'll be great rewards. Don't get those two. He says, just slip me back your resignation. And I kind of went, oh, wow, that's like real empowerment. He kind of laughed and he sort of said, you kind of get what I mean. He wasn't quite so serious on the resignation. But it was really just, I trust you to go do at your level and your experiences and your capabilities. Just go do get this done. And I have to tell you, it was so much fun. I did go to him for advice. I did go to him to sort of help me out in certain situations and to remove barriers. But I really embraced what he told me. And that was, 
I want you to be empowered. And that as an individual and a leader, I look back and say, boy, you really walked your talk. You didn't have to do that, but you wanted to do that and you trusted me to do it. And that was pretty exciting. Well, and you know, when I hear that, I hear true intrapreneurship, which we talk about, you know, we have all these people that are leaving the corporate world and going out and starting their own small practices. And it's because they want the autonomy, right? They have a sense of quote unquote entrepreneurship, but I'm hearing a lot of people don't know how to foster intrapreneurship, which is having a lot of autonomy inside of an organization. So I just heard that and went, to me, that's intrapreneurship. Yeah, very much. You know, I think that there's a, a balance between having guardrails and then feeling someone's being sort of trapped. It, guardrails are helpful to say, let's get together every quarter and review your metrics and see how you're doing. And then let me know if I can support you along the way. Uh, that can feel like a challenging situation or it can feel like a show and tell. And when you get to those meetings, it's really about, am I asking for help and do I get help? And that really is that what you're talking about is feeling that sense of entrepreneurship is that in between those quarterly meetings, I'm empowered to make choices. I'm empowered to get help or I'm empowered to flourish in my own uniqueness, bring my skill sets to bear. And then on the quarter, I get together just to make sure that I'm aligned or if I need more support, that it's already there for me. And I think as more organizations move to sort of that type of agility, we'll start to see more people thrive in that entrepreneurship. That's fantastic. And then, I mean, just circling back to what you mentioned as well about kind of the not best boss, that lack of ability to walk your talk. And it just made me think back to your best bosses, lead yourself first. So if you have those mantras and you have those leadership principles that you want everyone else to behave and abide by, you lead that first, right? You, you demonstrate those capabilities first, and then you let everybody see how it's done versus just talking it. Yeah. And if you lead with purpose, then people know where you're going. It's very clear your values in that decisions that you make and how you engage with people because it's true to who you are as a person. That's excellent. And so I guess if you had to teach or advise some future leaders, I know I've got a lot that listen to this show. They're out there and they're working hard. They're coming out of the pandemic, right? So we've been working home for a year and a half and people are trying to figure out how to manage remote teams. They're trying to figure out how to manage people who might even be thinking about leaving the organization because we do have so much turnover happening right now. What would be your words of wisdom for for those folks who are listening right now? If I go back to one of the pieces of advice earlier, I would, I would lean on this. Be confident in what you know and be curious by what you don't know. You know as leaders that you are really strong in certain areas. You've had great experiences and great capabilities. And where you don't know something, be authentic in saying, I don't know much about virtual working from home. I don't know how to manage someone's individual stress with young children or aging parents, but I'm here to ask some questions. How can I help you? How can I get you help? And then as you ask those questions, you will learn and it'll move to the category of be confident in what you know. And if you keep with that piece of advice, I find you can weather just about any business or personal up or down. That's excellent. Thank you, Kim. Do you have anything else you want to share just before we wrap? I would just like to thank you, Christine. I mean, I've learned from you as well. And, and it's great to see, you know, something that I learned decades ago and then you working with myself and my teams in terms of drip drip. I think it's important that when we are leading others, we can do these intensive, let's get together and learn something sessions. But it's really as we walk along those paths together that we learn the most. And so I would just continue for myself and for you and, and for your listeners to really be teaching and learning all along 
with your staff, because that's really where you build those relationships. And that's where I think people feel they can bring their whole self to work because you get to know who they are. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for coming on the show. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.